Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan. We are back from a week off, back from a holiday, recording a day late, but we're here nonetheless. We're excited to get things back on track as we are now kind of starting to ramp back up. You start to hear more people talk about training camp coming up, start to hear more about the preseason games, we're starting to hear more speculation about extensions, what free agents are out there that could still make a difference. We've got a couple of things to touch on here tonight that I think will be fun topics as we as we just dip our toe back in. So let's not delay at all. Let's go ahead and introduce the guys. He's back to tell you why he also performs better on grass. Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, man? False. There's bugs in grass. I can't do it. He thinks Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is using a different kind of grass. Sam Blecken is here. How's it going, man? It's legal in Missouri now, so I got no judgment. And I am Sean Deegan, and I'm just waiting to hear what kind of grass Chauncey Gardner-Johnson wants, Bermuda or Kentucky Blue, for the rematch. Let's get off of that, because there's not a whole lot else to talk about with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson being an idiot, but I had to point it out at least initially. We're going to start... As I said, it's kind of the initial ramp up period. You know, there's the kind of the doldrums of June where you're kind of post the rookie draft in April. There's kind of the excitement of everyone talking about different classes and things like that in May. And then June hits and it's just dead. There's nothing happening in June. And so we're finally gotten into July. We're finally moving closer and closer where you can see training camp on the horizon. It's at least you know, within striking distance. So we wanted to start things off because the Chiefs have a couple of players, specifically on the defensive side of the football, who are eligible for extensions. We've talked about them a couple of times uh, as, as being eligible and what's coming up for this season. What can we expect? Are we worried? Are we not? We want to start putting some some dates on it. Let's start talking about when are we nervous when we, when we, if we haven't heard about an extension for the players, Chris Jones, Legereus Need, and Willie Gay Jr. And guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open this up even wider than maybe, you know, just like the knee-jerk reaction is like, well, if they're not in by like, you know, the first preseason game, if that's your date, I know that some of these guys they might not get an extension. Willie Gay Jr., Legereus Need. If you guys want to say I'm not worried until next season, I think it's a perfectly viable answer. I want to keep all options open as much as possible. But let's start at the top. Let's start with arguably the the most important player on the Chiefs team that's not named Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey, and that's Chris Jones. At what point are you guys worried if he does not have an extension? What's the deadline for you where you start to get worried if he doesn't have a new deal in place assuring that he's going to be a Kansas City Chief? Um, Jacob, will let you bat lead off on this time since you've been gone for a couple of weeks. So we'll let you take the lead. Every now and then again, I take a vacation. I would say preseason game one is when I would just like start to actually be worried. I don't think it's ideal that you he waits until preseason game one. You know, a training camp will have already started then. I think it's good for a guy to be at training camp for the majority of it. You know, don't want him to get out of rhythm. But preseason game one is when I would start to worry just – that kind of seems to mess up the schedule for a player for the entire season. And you don't want that drama going into the season either. Sam, what about you? What's, what's the deadline for you that if Chris Jones doesn't have a new deal, you, you start to get nervous. You start to get worried. Oh, we're, we're there to an extent. I mean, we, I don't think this would be a, 
a consistent conversation that we've had all off season. If we all weren't just, just a little bit nervous, just, just puckering just a little bit. But I think for me, right there with Jacob, I think if we're, if we're hitting that first preseason game and we still haven't heard any rumblings or the deal has not been completely done, I'm, I'm officially nervous at that point. Um, like right now I'm just like kind of impatiently waiting and just constantly uh, checking Twitter. Unfortunately, now I can only check 600 tweets a day, apparently. Thanks, Elon. Um, but like I go through 600 tweets a day. But yeah, it's just, it's, there is a level of, there's a level of concern now that it hasn't been done. But at the same time, I, I just feel that Beach knows he's too important of a piece to, let go or, or not get that deal done. So if, if we're if we're hitting that first preseason game and we're not done, I'm then I'm then I'm starting to get concerned. And let let me like further elaborate on my answer too. Because if they make it into the season and he's not signed, I'm almost not, I'm not worried. Like I am really panicking because of if you are gonna trade him, everyone knows the time to trade a player is right before the draft when you can get you know, good compensation for them because what this would snowball into is then he starts sitting out regular season games. And if he's willing to lose his regular season games over this, that means we're down the road of this guy is going to force you to trade him, you know, like a Le'Veon Bell situation. It's, it's like, I would go from, I'm not worried at all right now to, all right, as a chiefs fan, I'm panicking. I think that's a good distinction because Sam, I, I kind of am with you. I'm I'm a little I'm nervous now. I'm not worried yet. But if we get into I'm I'm not even gonna say the first preseason game. If we get into training camp and we're like two weeks out and there's no chatter if the local beat writers, if the local reporters who have, you know, people inside the organization that they talk to haven't haven't given us any indication, I'm I'm very worried. You know, we kind of, in retrospect, we kind of had an idea that Tyreek Hill was going to get moved if you were someone who listened to 810 and Seren Petro because he would try to posit questions to his, his guests who would come on about, well, what if Tyreek Hill was traded? And people would be like, oh, that'll never happen. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, but what if it did? And then the day of the, the trade went down and someone tweeted at Seren Petro, like, did you know something? And he just sent back a winky face, and then the second face was a face with a finger over his mouth. It's like, but if we don't have anything like that, where there's chatter about, yeah, we're pretty sure it's going to get done, it's just a matter of, like, ironing out details, and we're, like, two weeks out from the first game, I'm nervous. I'm worried. And then, like you said, Jacob, if we if we're, like, we don't have to get to the regular season. If we get to the third pre, that last preseason game, and he's not signed, I'm I'm under the assumption that Chris Jones is not going to be a chief that following season, and I would I would be heartbroken about that. Let's move to our next player, and this is one that we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit on, mainly because I I represent one side of the extreme, and I think you guys do a better job of managing the moderate and the middle on this player, and that's Legarius Sneed. Coming off his rookie deal, um, he will be he's eligible for an extension now. He's been a key cog in Spagnola's system, given that he is very versatile. He can, he's one of the better slot corners in the NFL. 
he does play the outside well, if not at an elite level. Also a top-tier tackler for a corner and a very good blitzer from the slot. So he has a lot of things going for him. At what point are you worried if he doesn't have an extension? Like, is it Or is it a foregone conclusion that he's not going to, given that they still have to get Chris Jones, saying you've kind of been the guy to bring me back to the middle a little bit on, on this, so I'll, I'll come to you first. At what point are you thinking, man, LeJarrius Sneed isn't going to be a chief if he doesn't have an extension? No, it's going to hurt, Sean, but at no point. I, I like LeJarrius Sneed, obviously not nearly as much as you do. I, I understand that he is a very valuable piece, but I don't think with how well we've drafted, and again, I know that we're not going to hit these cornerbacks every single draft that are seventh round picks that are getting starting time in the NFL. Like that's not going to happen, but I think we saw, we've, we've got a young core that can easily fill in for Legereus if he's gone. Like they can't replace him because he is a very special talent, but I'm not, I don't think I'm willing to pay. um, I don't know what Snead's going to cost. And that's the big thing. I think that's where my holdup is with him is what his contract will end up looking like. Um, and I don't know how comfortable I'm going to be if he's going to be one of the highest paid corners in the league uh, because he, he is not your pure corner. He's, he's a very different type of player. So I, I, I don't think – will I be disappointed if, if we don't get a deal done next year? Um, yeah, just because he, he is a very good player. But it's nothing like Chris Jones where it's like he is a instrumental piece of the defense. It is he's, – he's an important part, but he's not all of it. So I, I don't know if my level of worry will ever reach a point like, oh, God, we've got to get him signed. I'll just be like, yeah, this kind of sucks. Jacob, how about you? At what point are you worried that LeJarrius Sneed is not going to be achieved? Or maybe a different word if you're like Sam, like not worried but kind of certain that he's going to be playing somewhere else if he doesn't have an extension. What's that deadline for you? <sighs> Game eight of the regular season would be kind of like the final this is it or not, I guess. I'm um, Unless we get a Mike Moustakas situation where guy goes into free agency, finds out his market's not as good as he thinks. I don't think that happens with Snead. I think Snead coming off of another playoff run, you know, a key part of Chiefs defense, he's going to get paid. Um, I mean, look at someone like Kendall Fuller. He's like, good player, solid contributor for the Chiefs, got paid. Same thing will happen for Snead. So I don't think Mike Moustakas situation happens unless some... Um, Legal issue happens, which, again, these are all hypothetical. But I think if you don't start hearing about Legereus Sneed post a Chris Jones extension, it's really not going to happen. I still – I think, like Sam has already said, I think it's probably not going to happen unless it is just, like, the most affordable thing. And I didn't value Sneed as much as I do now after seeing how many tackles that guy has for the Chiefs because I am kind of like – I mean, if you had to rank the defensive guys, you know, you could make a case that he's the top three or four most important players on the defense. Yeah, I think that's my argument is that he is kind of in that group for the Chiefs specifically. I think I think he'd be that guy anywhere, but like specifically Spagnola's system that utilizes the versatility of his, his defensive backs a lot. You, know, you had Tyron Matthew playing that robber role. You have Legereus Sneed playing slot, outside, press, zone. Like he, He's all over the place. He's a blitzer off the edge, almost playing like a 
a slot linebacker role half the time. So he's he's a that that Swiss Army knife that a lot of people just don't have that can do all those things. I actually it was where you said game eight. I said if you're like halfway through that, my thought was if you're halfway through the season and you haven't heard any news about Jarius Sneed, he's probably not going to be a chief next year, which would break my heart because I'm a huge Sneed fan. I think that his versatility is something that is incredibly hard to find and incredibly valuable to Spagnola's system who likes to utilize a lot of exotic blitzes and different fronts and looks and bring pressure from different angles and different players at all, all different levels. So I think Legere Sneed, maybe even more for a Spagnola system than another defensive system is, is a key cog. So if you're not, if you're halfway through the year and you haven't heard that they've been working with his agent at all, I'm going to be heartbroken because I think that means to me he's probably going to play somewhere else next year and, and make at least as much as Charvarius Ward got from San Francisco. Last guy on this list, and that's one that is one of the more confounding players on the Chiefs defense just because of how important we think he is half the time and then half the time how he just gets lost at times, and that's Willie Gay Jr. Athleticism off the charts. He's... He's unparalleled at the linebacker position for for Chiefs players for a long time, just in terms of his size and speed, lateral agility combination. All of you put all those things together, he's just different. You typically don't ask linebackers, even guys like Derek Johnson, to cover a receiver as talented as Devonta Smith, and you did with Willie Gay Jr. But again, it comes down to like, okay, how many downs can he be on the field? Can he be on the field on third down? knowing that his processing has never been what Nick Bolton's is, you know, and, or what Tyron Matthews was. Even when Tyron's physical abilities failed him with the Chiefs, he's, he's still a, a top-tier mind at the safety position. Willie Gay Jr. is never going to be that. So what's the date for him? Is there a date for him? What's the date that you're nervous he's not a Chief? Um, Jacob, will flip it around and come back to you this time. What date did Drew Tranquil get signed this uh, offseason? Oh, Lordy. Let me give me two seconds. Because that's my answer. When they signed him, I was like, yeah, they're going to see what combo of guys they want at linebacker. And I think it will probably wind up being like, hey, if we can keep signing Drew Tranquil for this type of money, this is going to be our new dime linebacker that we can, you know, is enough of both the guys that we don't need Willie Gay. Uh, according to NFL.com, they have an article dated March 21st, 2023, announcing the signing of Drew Tranquil to the Chiefs. So, like, the early, kind of the, the, the initial couple waves of free agency. Sam, what about you? Is there a date that you go, okay, Willie Gay Jr. is not going to be a Chief if, if Willie Gay does not have a new contract? So, I'm I think I'll go back to Jacob when he talked uh, point he made when we talked about Legarius Sneed in that talking about the Mike Mustakas. Willie Gay's the Mike Mustakas of this because he very easily could go into free agency and realize, oh, linebackers not as valued unless you're one of those guys. And I don't, as talented as he is, I don't think he's viewed as one of those guys. So I think he could be the one that is like, oh. Let me go test free agency. And then 
realize that, yeah, we were offering you a pretty fair market deal. Do you want to come back and win more Super Bowls? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm not too worried about him either. Again, I, I think after the Tyreek Hill trade, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, you know, there are no outside of three players. There are no untouchables on our team. There are no players that are just absolute stalwarts that we have to keep. And that's the only reason why I'm nervous about Chris Jones and not really nervous about anybody else. Cause I'm like, you know, we'll replace him if we have to. He, he is the one to me that's after the season. I agree with Jake. It's after the season. I don't know if it's as late as that. I think there's a, if he does not sign an extension with the Chiefs prior to free agency opening, I don't know that he'll come back because I think Drew Tranquil is going to play really well. Everything you hear about him is, you know, he has a lot of athleticism, but is also a guy who has worn the green dot. He is a guy who can process and, and get defenses aligned and on third down, if Nick Bolton can't be on the field, Drew Tranquil can and get the defense still set up, be the guy who calls the plays on defense, which is not something I think Spagnola and the Chiefs have felt comfortable letting Willie Gay Jr. do, in spite of the fact that he is definitively the more athletic linebacker out of him and Nick Bolton. So for me, it's prior to preseason, prior to free agency opening, if he does not have an extension, I think Willie Gay Jr. gets moved on. And I'd be sad, but I'd understand it just because, again, like you said, Sam, it's, it's a devalued position. And look, what they got uh, a guy who's considered one of the better linebackers on the market for with Drew Tranquil. It's, it's a wildly affordable deal. So I don't think they'd be willing to pony up to keep Willie Gay Jr. knowing that they have that guy in their back pocket already. We're going to keep things with the defense. This is going to be our last topic for the night. Again, dipping our toe back into... The swing of things here, but we're doing something a little fun. It has nothing to do with any news or anything that's going on. Just because we were going to start out tonight with a defensive conversation, we thought that we would try to put together our, specifically our, and I'll explain that here in a moment, our best all-time Chiefs defense. And I emphasis and an underline on that word, our, because we're starting from the time that we were really cognizant of Chiefs football. So we put the cutoff at year 2000. So it eliminates some obvious ones Sam mentioned before the podcast started. We were talking about, you know, just confirming, I wanted to confirm that they were good with the date. And Sam was like, you know, other than the obvious ones, kind of like your, your Willie Lanier's, your Derek Johnson's, those kinds of, or Derek Thomas, excuse me, Derek Thomas type players. And, you know, it's a different kind of a, it's a different era that we didn't really see. And we didn't even really, we weren't really at the age that we remember seeing Derek Thomas play. So we decided to put the cutoff at year 2000, and we're going to put together the best Chiefs defense that we possibly can. We've, I thought about trying to do the offense on this show as well, but I thought that might be a stupid, easy conversation that would take all of five minutes to do and far less interesting. So we decided to move to the defense. Maybe we'll come back around and do like our worst Chiefs offense, our worst Chiefs defense down the road. But for tonight, we're going to stick with the defense. Can I, can I answer the question of – Worst chief defense of all time? No. Bob Sutton. <laughs> Not 2004. Just Bob Sutton. Just Bob Sutton. Players are fine. Just Bob Sutton's terrible. Fair enough. Maybe we should put coordinators in as well for, like, best and worst. 
That would be fun. All right, so first thing we're going to do, and for the sake of simplicity, because I understand somebody out there is going to be like, but they don't actually play 4-3 and 3-4 anymore. It's all kind of a hybrid. Yeah, we know. But for the sake of ease and putting specific players from, you know, the first decade and a half of Chiefs football that we remember, we're, we're sticking to a 4-3 or 3-4 base system just to try and make things a little simpler and weed out different kinds of players who we want. And again, guys, we're going to do a, a two-thirds majority, since there are three of us, figured that make it easy, on, on any selections that we make or don't make, starting with the defensive scheme. What do you guys think? Because I think this, this gets interesting, because there are a couple of players that are crossovers, and then there are a couple of players who were definitively in one camp or the other. So what do you think would be the most optimal defensive scheme for the defense that you guys have in mind for the Chiefs to play? What are we thinking? Sam, if you want to take lead on this one, what, where are we starting? 3-4 or 4-3 for you? I think just for the – let's do for the fun factor to, to try to make it difficult. Let's go – I want to go 3-4. Uh, Jacob, what about you? Uh, are you a 4-3 or a 3-4 guy? Uh, I'm going a 4-3 so that you have to be the two-thirds deciding vote. Sweet, because I definitely want to do a 3-4. I think it's the most optimal defensive scheme for the Chiefs with the guys that we've seen play, uh, especially the teams that were, you know, good on defense because there was that first five to seven years where they weren't. <laughs> so I, I think 3-4 is, is the way to go for the Chiefs in this one. I didn't have a strong preference on the defense. I just had a strong preference on putting on <laughs> between a friendship. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're there for that. Keep us honest. Let's start up front, guys. We're going to start with the defensive line. Where where are we going? Let's let's start. Let's open this as a discussion. We don't necessarily have to go point by point as we do with most of our topics. If we want to open this up, I can let somebody start the lead. But if you have a point, you know, just jump in. Where are we going with the front four? Because there's some guys that I think are obvious. Some guys that. Maybe front, four or front, three. front three, excuse me. I say front okay. four, just rolls off the tongue. Front three, you have your you know, five techs and your nose tackle. Who are those three dudes that you want up front? Uh, I think one that we might all agree on is Chris Jones. Is that we all on board with that? Yeah, I think that's probably the safest bet. I think the only other one and why uh, I didn't want to go four three is because the only other notable defensive tackle that stands out in my mind is Zontari Poe. <laughs> And I don't think, like, Dontaro was good, but I don't think he's the level of Chris Jones or even close. You didn't want to bring Junior CFE back, Sam? No. But you're saying Chris Jones. Insert, insert SEC defensive lineman we drafted in the first <laughs> round for 10 years. Hey, you leave Glenn Dorsey out of this. He, he just needs a few more plays to figure it all out. <laughs> I still believe. So Chris Jones is playing. In- he's playing one of our five techs. In which, just for the audience members, Chris Jones had 15 and a half sacks this past season. If you remember, his other 15 and a half sack season was in a Bob Sutton 3-4 defense. So, not not exactly taking him out of position. Chris Jones can kind of do it wherever he wants. Uh, I am interested to hear what you guys have for the other edge. Like, who's who's the dude you want opposite him? Because they, I feel like they had a rotating group. On the other side of him, who's who's the dude we want on the other side? I would go for my bet. I would say Jared Allen. 
Ooh. We're just going to forego the run altogether. Oh, like yeah. Jacob, are you on board with just going full-on pass rush and screw the run in this era of football, or are we going to go with a different route? Uh, well, I guess my only question is, we're considering, like, true defensive linemen, right? Because, like, Justin Houston was an outside He's linebacker. A, yeah, we're, if we're a 3-4, Justin Houston's your outside backer. Okay. Like, so, I, I, yeah, that's a good question. But, no, if he played outside linebacker primarily in a 3-4, he's obviously that kind of what's termed the, the coin that turned patch. Yeah, so that's that's Justin Houston. Okay. Uh, okay, uh, I'm just looking at the Chiefs' all-time defensive stats to, you know, figure out where to go because, you know, the rest of the guys I think are considered outside linebackers rushing edges, and so I don't think I have. Jared Allen was who came up to mind for me as well. I gave serious consideration to Tyson Jackson, but I will also go with Jared Allen. I think it's it's dangerous if you're going to do, if you're going to try and defend against the run, because uh, Chris Jones was infinitely better against the run his last couple of seasons than he was you know, the first however many years of his career, but Jared Allen has never been that. So, but I just think that the pass rush you get from both of those guys is monstrous. So I'd be willing to forego that and just hope to God the linebackers can fill in. This is the one I was most interested in because I thought the front, the two edges might be easy in a, in a defensive ends and a 3-4 might be pretty easy given who the Chiefs have had. What about nose tackle though? Because they haven't had too many true nose tackles. There's, like, Sam, you said Dontari Poe's name. He's the only one I remember who's had consistent success for a while, but then, you know, very quickly gets the back issue, and we all know what happens with guys his size and back issues. It kind of went south. Who's who's your guys' nose? Any, anybody in particular? Are you going with Dontari Poe? Is there someone else you guys like? See, I was, I was taking a, a different route than you were because – I was just going, you know, screw it, full out attack because Chris Jones was my ta- nose tackle. Really? Okay. Well, let's talk about that. Because so, I, my, my idea, and this was my line, was Jared Allen, Chris Jones, and Tomba. You would put Tomba at an edge as opposed to outside backer where he played prior. Yes. Hmm. Interesting, Jacob. What do you feel about that? I'm curious your thoughts. Well, I am currently searching Pro Football Reference because they have the all-time starting defenses for the Chiefs, which I did not realize. Oh, yeah. No, they've got um, So options at nose tackle are Benny Logan, Don Terry Poe for a while. Can I say, I remember when I was excited when they signed Benny Logan. If you were excited for him, you're going to definitely be excited for Kelly Gregg. Oh, I, I was. I was. I edited Madden 2009 rosters so that I could get Kelly Gregg on there. Okay, here's the, here's the sad thing. When I opened up his uh, pro football reference, I saw that it said 46 years old. My initial thought was that was his age when he played for the Chiefs because that was how I felt <laughs> when they grabbed him as well. <laughs> and so I was like, for a second, I was like, man, he was old, really old when he played for the Chiefs. And then I was like, wait, that's his current age. But he was 35 playing nose tackle for the Chiefs. Played in 16 games. I'm, I'm still scrolling for you. Ron Edwards. It's a name oh, I remember. I, I think because I... Player, but- 
I think the only reason I remember him is because I went to some like Chiefs event and got his autograph and had to go look it up. Like, whose autograph did I just get? Yeah, uh, now we're into the Tank Tyler, Glenn Dorsey. Most of these aren't listed, you know, as a nose tackle, though, because they weren't playing a 3-4. Right. Your Gerald Pose of the world. Right. Chester McLaughlin played in the year 2000. Oh, man. Did he move at all? There's no way. Was he just the blob from X-Men sitting in the middle of the defensive line? Yes. I, you know... So can I get my my other reasoning why I'm fine with having three, like, just guys, like, besides Chris Jones, because he can do everything. Like, maybe three, maybe nose tackles on his best position, but it's in my setup, we've got two tackling machines at middle linebacker. Right. And then safety who does nothing but tackle in the box. I'm not worried about our defensive line. I just want them to go, hey, I'm going to rush faster. (laughs) Well, let's let's see how it comes out. Let's for funsies. Let's put Chris at nose tackle in our in our spot. And uh, Jacob, are you good at Tomba on the outside of the edge group? Not necessarily the outside linebacker, but as far as the other five tech in the three four. Sure. Cool. Let's try it. Let's see how it looks at the end, and we'll see how badly we're going to get gashed by Jonathan Taylor. Right. Let's move to the linebackers. Three four. We got four of them to pick. Uh, let's start with the pass rushers. Uh, Justin Houston seems like an obvious pick on the left side. Are we all good with that? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to put Justin Houston out here. So this is where I'm I'm curious, Sam. Who's your other edge on the outside? Willie Gay. What? Really? The thing is, so when you look at the Chiefs linebackers, and his, historically we do play a 4-3, we don't, and if we wanted to pull a switch to the three four, that's Willie Gay would be an outside linebacker in a three four. Like you can't tell me with his speed, his coverage ability, just his overall what he is, he is an outside linebacker a hundred percent of the time. And on top of that, the other guy, like it would have either been Justin Houston, and then because again, Derek Ta- or Derek Thomas. Derek Johnson was an outside linebacker when he started here. Mm-hmm. So he was the, he didn't move to inside until what, two, three years in? Or was it later? Yeah, because they were playing the 4 3 under Gunther for, yeah, so until five really got there. So I, I, and again, it may be crazy. And again, it's not his natural position, but I'm going Justin Houston and Willie Gay. And I'm just making the most athletic defense possible because I can't think of any, I mean, are we going to put Mike Vrabel there? <laughs> Maybe if it was his prime Vrabel. <laughs> like... Jacob, talk to me. How do you feel about the idea of moving Willie Gay to a pass rusher? Uh, I'm just very confused by the whole exercise, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I this is definitely throwing me for a loop. Um, hey, you guys, I'm not saying it's right. That's just my how I would play my defense if I could – Especially when Sam had the option to go Anthony Hitchens. Oh, jeez. Or left outside linebacker D Ford. Or right outside linebacker Frank Zombo. Freeland speaks. (laughs) Yeah, I guess the trouble is we're trying to adapt guys that are different defenses. 
I'm like trying to picture what our defense looks like. That's where I'm having trouble. Yeah, I think that's that's where I get stuck on Willie Gay because I I get I can understand Chris Jones going to a nose. You can almost play like an offset three four, but and have him play like a a, a three tech. Even if he played head up over the the center, I think he'd do fine. I wonder how Willie Gay, because he is a super athlete, but how's he going to handle pass rush moves? That's my biggest concern with with Willie Gay playing edge position. Give other ones. Like I said, I don't have any other people to put out there, so that's the reason I chose Willie Gay is because I'm like, you're putting a lesser product on the field, but maybe having to sacrifice the natural position of it. Right, now I get where you're coming from. Let me take a step back into yesteryear. Well, I think what's difficult is, too, is, you know, a 3-4 is essentially turns into a, a nickel defense, you know, because one of those guys is going to definitely be full-time rushing the passer, if not both guys. Right. So, and that's Justin Houston. Which is why I'm also like, why don't we just choose – two interior defensive linemen, two edges, two linebackers. And then I don't think there's as much controversy once you go to two safeties, two corners. Then we only have ten players, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're missing a nose there. Yeah. You're missing a player. <laughs> you don't need all those extra guys. <laughs> you don't need 11 players to play DJ. <laughs> choose, choose three linebackers, two edges. Here's, here's Sorry, choose for- three linebackers. <laughs> Here's what I want to try for now. Let's let's move Chris Jones back to his defensive edge because I do. I for me the 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 Willie Gay to edge is a bridge too far for me. So let's let's move Chris Jones because I think looking through these rosters and the Chiefs stuff, it's kind of gross. And let's move let's move Chris Jones back to th- to the defensive end for now. Let's see how it looks. If we like, if we don't like the nose tackle, we're gonna we're gonna find something else. But I want to at least start with him at, at defensive end, just because of how hard it is to find an edge. I think that we all like. I think it will be easier uh, to move Tomba to an edge position on the outside with an outside linebacker than try than, than Willie Gay. But I want to revisit this when we get to the end and see how we feel about it. Looking at nose tackle, Sam, you said something about Glenn Dorsey playing nose tackle way back when, just because of how short and stout he was. Like being, what was he, six foot? They listened no. to him, I think, but I don't believe well, I would, I was the other way. You wanted to move him to because Glenn, No, because with Glenn Dorsey, when he came in, they played him at, at the nose tackle position. And he failed because his natural position is a three-tech. Right. So I don't like Glenn Dorsey as, as a nose tackle. I would rather have Dontari Poe. Right. Okay. I think was a better player regardless of defensive tackle, or at least within the NFL lived up to a much higher level than Glenn Dorsey ever did. Yeah. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think he's a completely different animal at nose. Um, Jacob, are you good with Dontari Poe at nose tackle for now? I'll go through these rosters and see if I can't find somebody else, but for the time being, if we're going to run a 3-4, there isn't seems, anybody. He seems like the guy. My answer is Hungry Pig Right. 
we do have that play in our back pocket. So here are the two, the inside linebackers. Let's move to there. That was an interesting discussion. I'm glad that came up, Sam. That was, I, I'm still not sold that we shouldn't go with Willie Gay at edge, but I'm, I'm now thinking about it. But let's move to inside linebacker for now. This one to me is pretty easy. My picks would be Derek Johnson and Donnie Edwards. Those would be my guys. What about you? Jacob, we'll, we'll come to you first this time. Uh, where, where are we at with inside backer for you? Is the post-2000s Donnie Edwards the old version of him? Uh, he's older, but in 2000, he still put up, what was it? Let me go back here. I think it was like 130, yeah, 132 tackles, four passes defense, had a, two interceptions, one for a touchdown, a fumble recovery, and a sack. And 14 tackles for a loss. Well, like, some he was still getting it done. Somewhere around the year 2000 is also when Marcus Patton told my brother he wouldn't be in no alley. Uh, that was also Marcus Patton did have a good year that year. He had 112 tackles, six passes defense, uh, two interceptions, also scored a touchdown, and had one sack. Eerily similar numbers outside of the uh, tackles there, and also didn't have nearly as many tackles for a loss. Yeah, I'm also gro- grooming through these answers. Derek Johnson, I think, is an obvious one. Yeah, for me, he's a an easy pick for inside linebacker in a 3-4. Yeah, I'm not really in love with as much as, you know, I'm a Nick Bolton guy, and I would probably still take Donnie Edwards. I think those are kind of the two you'd argue for. Mm-hmm. I got one other one to add in there. Okay. And I don't know. Torn on him because he only played for us for a little while, and we got a couple good seasons, but it's uh, Kavika Mitchell. I do like Kavika, but I wouldn't put him ahead of Donnie. Yeah, so he's like – I think if we had him his entire career, right, it'd be a different conversation because he had two years with us that he had 100 tackles. So, like, he had two really productive years for us, but – Right, uh, right. Or two 100 solo tackles, like – or close to. Sorry, 80 tackles on both those 100 combined tackles. So, yeah, I, I think he's close, but – But, yeah, like his, his Mike Oh, dude, I thought about it. I oh, yeah, that was the other Mislowski. one that was in consideration. I will dig my heels in on Mike Mislowski. That guy was a good player. Seth Kaiser will, too. Seth Kaiser's of the mind that if Mike Mislowski doesn't get hurt in 2003, the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. Freaking Scott Fujita. <laughs> Forgot he was a Chief. I thought about Scott Fujita, too. He's one of my favorites to extend on uh, ESPN 2K5 because he's like an 89 Super Chief. Yeah. All right, real quick. How many years has Nick Bolton played for the Chiefs without looking at him? Two. two <laughs> yeah. yeah just two. I was convinced it was like four at this point. No. Oh, my God. So I opened his pro football reference, and I was like, wait, he's only had two years? Don't do that to me. Time hadn't gone that quickly. <laughs> yes, it has. You're old. Oh, Lord. What's Mike right, Mislav's well, with- best year? I think 2002 or three. Yeah, because 2003 he got hurt. Apparently, uh, according like Seth Kaiser talks about how he got hurt and the defense was never the same after the fact. I don't remember it because I was 13 and didn't have a clue. But that's his. <laughs> but Mike Mazlowski at one point had the Chiefs all-time single-season uh, tackle record. Yeah, before Derek Johnson broke it. My 20... one Chiefs jersey I still own is a Walmart version of my my Mike <laughs> Mazlowski's jersey, and that's I love it. Phenomenal. 
I think I saw there's 125 tackles. Bolton had 180 this year. Because that's the Chiefs record for sure. But oh, yeah, uh, I think Bolton has it. I'll just vote Nick Bolton because I'll be outnumbered anyway. So I'm putting Nick Bolton over Donnie Edwards. Well, like you Nick Bolton. Like Nick Bolton was really close. Like that's what I meant by tackling machine. But then I mm-hmm. forgot about Donnie Edwards to be completely honest. <laughs> My brain, like early G, G, or early 2000s Chiefs defenses are not something that sticks in my brain well. Uh, they don't? They were horrible. They stick in my brain in the most painful possible that's way. That's why I raced a lot of them. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I almost want to go with recency and just say Nick Bolton because he does have the Chiefs leading season because I think that'd be a really fun combo with him and Derek Johnson. I would... Here, here's why I'd argue for Donnie Edwards is I think he's a more versatile player. Yeah. I think he's, he's still a tackling machine, but was definitively better in coverage than Nick Bolton. Can kind of do all the same things that he can. Neither one of them really takes on a block that well. So that's, that's why I would lean Donnie Edwards is that the options in coverage, I think, open up for you a lot if you go with Derek Johnson and Donnie Edwards. I think it becomes very hard for defenses to go – Okay, if we get into third and long and Nick Bolton's on the field, he's sitting in like a small hook zone or he's blitzing. I guess one of those two versus Donnie Edwards and Derrick Johnson where you can alternate them. You could play them man-to-man on, on certain receivers. Like I think they're, they're in that group. You can have Derrick Johnson cover a tight end. You can have him cover a running back out of the backfield, even the guys that are considered top-tier pass catchers. I, that's why I would feel more comfortable with Donnie Edwards than Nick Bolton at this point, knowing what Donnie Edwards has been able to do with the Chiefs. That's yeah. my argument for Donnie. Well, you've got way more of an argument than either Jacob or I have. <laughs> but again, two thirds so, majority. If you both want to go, Nick, I'm I'm outvoted, so I'm not I'm not opposed to it. I love Nick Bolton. I'll go with Donnie. We'll keep him. All right, I'll go with Donnie. This is this is the one that I think is going to be the most fun. Because I think even when the Chiefs were bad, they've had some really fun secondary players. Even going back into the 2003 season, I think they've had some dudes who could really ball out. And and in spite of some just trash front sevens. So who are we? Let's start with the corners and we'll move to safety last. Let's start with the corners. Um, I'm willing to go as deep as three here if you want. If you want to also add a nickel. Maybe not necessarily a starter, but a nickel corner. But definitely give us at least a starting two. Um, who who are the guys you feel most comfy with at the cornerback position for the Chiefs? Uh, so number one, I'll, I guess I'll go one first. Uh, the pariah that is Marcus Peters. Ooh, ooh, that's a spicy pick. I like it. Not, not saying I, I like the pick as far as how it hurts my soul, but... You can't deny the man was a very good quarterback when he was with the Chiefs. I, I that is not a name I thought I thought we would hear tonight. I, as good as he was, I was certain that maybe like we'd all kind of have weird feelings about him. But so I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going talent, Sean. I love it. I like it. I like it. Um, so who's your, who's your guy opposite? Uh, it's one of the two Brandons, and I I think I'll go Brandon Flowers. Yes. Like, okay. it's tough between the two of them, but I'll, I'll go with Brandon Flowers. 
Jacob, what about you? Are you are you in lockstep with with Sam here on the corners? Do you have a different guy that you would like to slot in? Where are you at with that? Ninety five year old Ty Law. <laughs> oh God. Patrick Sertan. <laughs> Don't do that to me. Pat Sertan and Ty Law. No, I I think I was right on board with Peters and Flowers, and because the new guys, you know, we just don't fully know yet. But I do right. think there's the potential that one of them overtakes it, takes one of those two guys. The only name I put it, I I was definitively head of Peters on was uh, Logarius Sneed. But again, he's kind of a slot guy, right? Like that's kind of where he's played the majority of his career. So it's hard for me to go, okay, you're going to go play outside full-time. So I, I get where Marcus Peters comes into it. Um, it's definitely hard to kind of try and pick a different guy amongst the guys that are there. Brandon Carr you have an, an argument for, but I think if you're going to go upside, I now that you've said it, I'm like, it's, it's awfully hard to go against. Unless you want to go like, you know, Javier Arenas or William Barty, you can definitely do that. No, I'm with you guys. Let's do Marcus Peters, and we'll do Brandon Flowers. Very different kinds of corners, but I think complement each other well. Let's move to safety. This one, I'm. I think there's one name that's a pretty, a pretty easy dunk, and that's, one that's, that's not gonna, we don't even discuss, Sean. Right, <laughs> Barry. It's strong safety. That's such an is an easy call. Now, free safety is the one that I thought would be interesting because there are a couple names here that I thought might fill in really well. So what about you guys? Where where are we at on free safety? Jacob, we'll let you, you start us off here. Who fills that last spot on the defense? Yeah, you have your obvious choices like Dan Sorensen. And I'm, still, I'm still coming oh. through the answers here. I'll say Ron Parker just to piss off Sam. Yeah, I was going to say don't say the damn name. <laughs> Sam, for one season he was a bargain and then they went for way too long with it so just double checking Tyron Matthew didn't get any play over Eric Berry I mean I'm going Eric Berry too but no I would go with Berry I think he had a bigger impact that's hard to say who do you give more credit for the defensive turnaround with Tyron Matthew or Frank Clark, or is it a combination of the two? I just think Eric Berry had the more. He fit. I don't know. I just I, I would pick Eric Berry. His stats are awesome. He's still he's got more size, more versatility. I think maybe than in terms of who he can cover size wise, Eric Berry is is the the guy over Tyron Matthew. I think Tyron Matthew might be a more versatile safety, but. I, I think I'd still pick Eric Berry. Well, in the what? year 2015, they say that um, Eric Berry was the free safety and Ron Parker was the strong safety. And then in 2016, those those flip flop. So clearly, there's an error there. Because now that I've looked at the names of free safeties, I'm like, well, I'll just play uh, Eric Berry at free safety and strong safety. The free safety names are not inspiring because it's Juan Thornhill. Jerome Nobody Woods, I mean, is the Jerome one. Woods. He's like, the one that I'm kind of coming back to, too. Which one? Jerome Woods was a really good football player. Yeah. And then after, I'd forgotten, after breaking his leg in 2002, 
came back the next year on an absolutely god-awful Chiefs team, made the all-pro team, comeback player of the year in the Pro Bowl as a free safety. Like, that defense was abysmal. And you got an all-pro out of it with your Is there any play for Greg Wesley? Didn't he play strong safety no more? With... He was listed as free in all the ones that I'm seeing. What in the world are they doing out here? I don't know. So, well, I guess – so, here – and he was strong safety. He's listed as strong safety from 2000 <laughs> to 2004. Then 2005 and six. they, played, they said he was a free, free. I don't know. That means he got too old to play in the box. Yeah. I, I, I'm I biased on Jerome Woods just because, I'll be honest, my childhood was heavily influenced by him because he's one of the more affordable and easier to cut 90 ratings on ESPN 2K5 for NFL. But uh, also... He judges his entire football history on... On video games? It's possible. On one video game, not if well, video not games. even video games. Yes, one a video single game, game. <laughs> from two thousand and five. No, but like if you look at his numbers, like on Pro Football Reference, he was a very good player. Like he had tackles consistently in the eighties. You know, was intercepting balls anywhere from you know it was four, two, one, two, three. Then you get to two thousand and three, and he's got three picks, two defensive scores. Three forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, had 79 total tackles. Like, he he was everywhere. 11 passes defensed. Like, he was, he was a dude. And that was his best year. But even the years before that, 98, 99, 2000, if we're going to cut it off at 2000, ignoring 98, 99, 2000, 2001, he was a very good player. And really, like, it, it was just came down to health in age, in years 31 and 32 where he kind of hit that, hit that wall, that dreaded 30 year old wall, but he was a dude for a while. And I wonder pairing him with a guy like Eric Berry, especially with the kind of corners that you had, I think that that might be the best route in terms of style of player. So I think he'd be my pick for free safety. Good with it. Cause I really don't have much of an opinion on this one. I the only free safety that sticks out in my mind, remember watching, is Thornhill, because mm. free safety is not a fun position to watch. Right, right. Thornhill would have been the other one I would have put in that category, but I think Jerome Woods made more of an impact. Even on a god-awful defensive team, he, he was able to play a terrific season and was very, very, very good even prior to that. Jeremy, you good with Jerome Woods at free safety? Let's do it. Cool. So here's our defensive unit. On the front line, we have Chris Jones, Dontari Poe, Jared Allen. In the linebacking core, we have Tom Bahali at one edge position, Derek Johnson and Donnie Edwards in the middle. Opposite Tomba, you have Justin Houston. In the secondary, you have Brandon Flowers at one corner position, and you have Marcus Peters at another. And then the safeties are Eric Berry and Jerome Woods. Gentlemen, how do we feel about this defense? Sam, we'll start with you. The Chiefs, it's funny because I think you could do this with several other franchises and have legitimate debates on every position. It's just like, 
they are like you could easily go either way, and it's like yeah, they're the, they're the best player. The Chiefs is our defense sucks historically because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't hard to build it. Like the only thing that made it complicated was me trying to change people's positions and move the new. <laughs> but now, like ultimately, it's good defense, but it's like yeah, we have had a bad set or we've had some bad runs, man. Yeah. yeah. I think what may, might have made it harder is the 4-3, because then you have to pick who's oh, yeah, going to play edge. That's why I chose it, because I was like, that's going to make it way more complicated. But everybody else, I think, would have been a lot easier. But, yeah, just picking who plays defensive end. Jacob, how do you feel about the defensive unit now that we've, we've put it together? Here, here. I will just say that for Sam's response. And it, it makes sense to me if you think about what was happening in the Chiefs history at this time. It's like, you know, the very early 2000s, we had the – all offensive squads with Trent Green. And then we transitioned into the Todd Haley era type Chiefs where it was just terrible. This roster is guys that are not going to be in the NFL in two years. Just abysmal. (laughs) Right. And then you had the transition period back to Andy Reid with some leftovers from the previous defense where you had some good players. Like I said, I'd call it the Tom Baholi, Justin Houston era. And now we're in, I would say, you know, the modern era, the Andy Reid era. Right. So it's just funny. It's like, and now, like, when you really look back on it, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because about half the time we're looking at was just, like, terrible defensive times. I don't think I can say it any better than you, gents. Sam, that was a great point on making it easy. It really wasn't too hard on a lot of the positions to pick who's your best guy. So I feel good about the defense. feel really good about it. But, uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't that difficult when they all were said and done. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us each and every week. We are drawing ever closer, guys. We've got a training camp schedule out there. We're getting closer. Football's going to be here before we know it. So make sure you're tuning in with us each and every week. I'm sure we'll have a lot more discussions about the news that comes up and maybe some more fun things like this. Maybe make it a little harder. Maybe we'll do the worst defensive chase units uh, here in the coming weeks. We'll see. Until next time, you all stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you next week.